Fifteen Asia-Pacific countries, including South Korea and China, signed the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or RCEP, last Sunday. A lot of people excited about this mega trade deal as it is expected to cover one-third of global trade. So we're going to find out more about RCEP and what it means for reshaping the global economy and how it affects Northeast Asian diplomacy. Very pleased to be joined by the Korea chair at the Institute for European Studies at Free University of Brussels and Associate Professor in International Relations at King's College London, Dr. Ramon Pardo on the line. Hello. Hello, good morning. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for joining us. So uh, besides RCEP, there are other uh, multilateral deals and negotiations ongoing. Uh, We have uh, the APEC nations talking. We also have CPTPP. Um, Can you explain how RCEP differs from those existing agreements and what are the benefits for the nations that participate in RCEP? I think there are two key differences. Uh, The first one and most obvious difference is that RCEP uh, includes China and South Korea, which are not part of uh, CPTPP. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Korea could easily join CPTPP if you wanted, but for, for China it would be a little bit uh, more difficult. Uh, and I think the second difference is that uh, uh, CPTPP is what we call a, a deeper trade agreement. It includes uh, services, uh, it includes 100% of tariffs, it includes agriculture, it includes standards like labor standards, environmental standards, and this is not included in, in, in our seat. So in terms of the benefits, the second part of your question, uh, I think there are two main benefits. One of them, this is the first agreement that includes Korea, China, and uh, Japan together. So it is going to strengthen trade links and investment links within the, the three of them. And I think the second one, there's this uh, patchwork of different agreements that ASEAN has with all the other countries in, in RCEP. And now we're going to have a single agreement, so it's going to make things easier for companies that want to trade in the region. Now, as we know, whether it is more comprehensive or not, any of these multilateral or even bilateral deals, there inevitably are questions with the um, how fair are these trade deals, particularly if one economy is much more stronger than the other economy, uh, those varying economic levels. What do you think are possible strategies to cope with that in the RCEP concept? I think RCEP is going to become what we call a a living trade agreement, which means that it is going to be updated more or less regularly. Uh, It is uh, a little bit uh, shallow right now, meaning that it doesn't include as many things as CPTPP or, for example, uh, agreements that Korea has with the European Union or with the U.S. But the expectation is that uh, eventually, once it enters into force, um, there's going to be a deepening, services uh, might be included, eventually agriculture might be included as well, maybe even the standards. And, and, and secondly, we could follow the, the ASEAN model in which there can be some measures that don't apply to all countries in the agreement. So some countries, for example, the least developed ones in, in Southeast Asia could be excluded from further integration in, in agriculture, for example, because they, they are large exporters of these products and, and they don't want to be flooded with more competitive uh, exports from other countries in the region. So I think this is something that possibly is going to be under discussion and might eventually be implemented because it's working quite well in ASEAN, so it mm. might also work for, the, for all the countries in RCEP. It shouldn't be a surprise, but the uh, U.S. president-elect, Joe Biden, has expressed uh, some skepticism or discomfort with RCEP. Basically, the idea being that America, U.S., should be leading uh, the way for a multilateral trade agreement, not 
China. Uh, there are certainly going to be people who are left out of this, including the U.S. How does that, do you think, affect them? I think politically it's a very big blow uh, because the U.S. is not part of RCEP, but it's not part of uh, CPTPP. So the two main deals that you have covering the East Asia region, the U.S. is uh, not part of any of the two. So other countries are, are, are setting the rules. And from an economic point of view, it is clear that RCEP countries are thinking about strengthening their links. Uh, so trade links, uh, manufacturing as well, and, and, and investment. Uh, I think you will see more investment from from. Uh, Korea, Japan, and China into Southeast Asia, Mm -hmm. uh, for example. And the U.S. is going to be excluded from this, so American companies are going to lose out. Yeah. Do you think eventually uh, this uh, regional comprehensive economic partnership uh, will provide a platform for uh, Korea and Japan and China to once again have these very elusive trilateral FTA talks, basically one solid Northeast Asia block? I think elusive is the right word. Uh, and I think this agreement is actually going, going, going to help uh, because it gives political cover to the three countries. If they reach an deal at the trilateral, they can, they can say, well, we, all, uh, we already have the RCEP agreement, so we're up, upgrading this agreement. So we're building on a solid base, which is RCEP, and the three of us uh, that are obviously more integrated among themselves and with Southeast Asia, uh, we want to just strengthen our trade links. So uh, I think that they're going to see uh, not this year, obviously it's too late, but starting from uh, next year, a renewed focus on these trilateral negotiations. Uh, especially, I think uh, China is really going to press for this if the U.S. decides that it wants to it wants to join CPTPP. Right, and that's and, and really Japan is the main factor here because there is already a bilateral agreement with uh, South Korea and China, and but uh, the agricultural issues still remain for. For Japan now, as far as all the other nations involved, including South Korea, there is uh, what here is known as, as you know, the uh, the new Southern Strategy by President Moon Jae-in. But really focusing on kind of fostering those uh, relationships with Southeast Asia, with a lot of those really fast-growing, emerging economies there. Do you think ASEAN member states uh, slowly will become indeed the epicenter or the the kind of focus of global trade eventually? I think they're clearly becoming more important, uh, Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia especially, uh, Thailand probably as well, if there is a change in the, in the political regime, it goes back to being a democracy. I think these four countries are going to become central to, to the global economy. And, and I think if you look at the exporters in, in, in Northeast Asia, uh, Samsung, Toyota, uh, Huawei, for example, they are clearly betting on uh, a growing consumer class, a more middle class uh, people in Southeast Asia, and I'm selling to them. So I think these countries in Southeast Asia will become more important manufacturing bases, but also as a market, they will become much more important to the companies in the rest of the world, including Northeast Asia. So if they don't become the epicenter, they're going to be one of the three centers uh, along with uh, Western Europe or the European Union and North America, especially the U.S. there. Just And finally, briefly then, for Europe itself, uh, how do they view, I know they have a different calculation than the U.S., but how do they view the developments in Asia, especially with RCEP? It is quite interesting because it is true that these are very different calculation from the U.S., especially on political and security terms. Mm-hmm. But it is seen in a similar way when it comes to economics, RCEP. It is seen uh, as a way for East Asian countries to integrate, which is going to be detrimental for, uh, for the European Union and European companies that might be thinking about exporting uh, to the region because you're going to have more competitive products within East Asia, uh, electronics, uh, cars, uh, even agricultural 
products like foodstuff, for example. And I mean, this is seen as a potential loss opportunity uh, uh, for European uh, businesses. So it is interesting because the discourse on the economic side has been quite similar to the US. There hasn't been many differences when it comes to RCEP. Yeah, and bottom line here uh, for everybody involved is uh, none of this is, uh, all of this is actually academic discussions if we cannot get through this uh, global pandemic, which has been stifling a lot of the uh, economic uh, uh, trade relationships going forward. And hopefully uh, Europe as well as the rest of the world uh, can continue to find some way to recover. Dr. Pardo, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate your insights on this. Thanks to you for having me. We're going to move on to part four of the program. A lot more in store for you after another check of traffic and weather.